it's up to you if you want this kind of information given to you uh, without taking you off into the outer limits. And there's lots of entertainers out there making a lot of money taking you off into the outer limits because people love to be fascinated, as Adam Weishaupt said himself. We really are going into the, the, this is the century of change. The century of change was talked about at the beginning even of the 1900s. They talked about the end of the millennium and what would happen because this, this, this century we're now in is to be the century where everything that was planned has will come to pass. Back with more after these messages. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about the century of change, how we're going into a planned society, a world society. Everyone knows what family planning in is. It's a, it's a term for abortion, basically. And a world society is to basically follow the same mandate where population is to be strictly regulated and the United Nations has already said in many documentaries and many of their, their publications that, that China is a model state for the world to emulate. But what is China? It's supposedly still a communist country run by a form of a dictatorship of the proletariat. And yet, as if by magic, uh, and we know it was planned by the West since they created China, the modern China in the first place, it suddenly became capitalist in no time at all after the GATT Treaty was, was signed, and the West moved all its factories over to China. Now, no country would do that. You would never move your, your main factories, especially those to do with metal workings and so on, stuff that could be used for war. You would never move your prime method to defend yourself over to supposedly your main enemy's camp and give it to them on a plate. That tells you there's no threat from China. It's owned lock, stock, and barrel by the masters who run the Western world already, you see. That's a clue to it. But depopulation is a, a prime mandate. I've read so many articles from different organizations, Optimal Population Trust and so on, big foundations, all backed by all the other big foundations, and there's thousands of foundations that are actually fronts, each working on a specific aspect of the social spectrum. That's their speciality. And lobbying governments. But they're all funded really from about five or six, ten at the most main foundations. The real foundations. These foundations had no problems at their start-up telling the public what they were all about. And it was to do with eugenics, getting rid of the inferior types of humanity, and creating the Superman, as they talked about, long before Adolf Hitler grabbed it and ran with it, because the Soviets were already running with it before Adolf came along. The depopulation is a big, big thing, and I've talked before and read so many articles about the ways to kill off people. I've gone through even the CBC's documentary on the disappearing male 
after I mentioned that it was pulled from the CBC, so I found another link where it was up elsewhere. Last week I mentioned uh, an article from the Globe and Mail, and boom, the next day it was pulled again. So I found an alternative link to another article about the same kind of thing. It's amazing if, if when you attract attention to that which is already publicly made, but you tell the public what to think about it, that's when they pull it. You see, Brzezinski was correct. He says, shortly the public will be unable to reason for themselves. They'll expect the media to do the reasoning for them. So when you point out the obvious, what should be obvious to them, they start to think about it and take it seriously. If there's no comment made on something, the public will not react to it. So everything that's published really is just a legality because you acquiesce to it by your silence. It's all legal terminology they use. I've gone on and read articles from mainstream medical journals about the incredible sudden uh, increases in allergy, 40 to 50% now, total allergy syndromes bursting out all over, the obese population, the new diabetes that's sprouting everywhere, everyone suddenly becoming diabetic and overweight and all the rest of it, and coming down with all kinds of cancers, yada, yada, yada. And I've read many, many articles the mainstream articles and medical articles about them. Now, it's a big mystery to the medical profession that it's totally funded uh, by the pharma industry, which is also the chemical industry. Here's an article that shows you that I've been talking, what I've been talking about is all coming to pass. And when I've been stating the obvious for so many years and being neglected, uh, it's now, it'll now take some, or some people will take notice of it now that it's coming out from other quarters. Uh, this is from FSO Editorials. U.S. Doctors Association calls for moratorium on GMO foods, the modified foods by William Egdahl, May 21st, 2009. American Academy of Environmental Medicine has just issued a call for an immediate moratorium on genetically manipulated foods. In a just-released position paper on GMO foods, the AAEM states that GM foods pose a serious health risk and calls for a moratorium on GMO foods. Citing several animal studies, the AAEM concludes there is more than a casual association between GMO foods and adverse health effects and that GM foods pose a serious health risk in the areas of toxicology, allergy and immune function, reproductive health, yeah, they're sterilizing you, and metabolic, physiolo physiologic, and genetic health. It literally causes cancers. That's what you mean by genetic health. The report is a devastating blow to the multi-billion dollar international agribusiness industry, most especially to Monsanto Corporation, the world's leading purveyor of GMO seeds and related herbicides. I'm reading this, but I'll tell you one thing, they're not going to change it. It's a mandate, so it must be, because you see, it's causing the very things they want it to cause. They know at Monsanto what it does, because I've read articles where, from Monsanto where even their own staff won't, uh, have got their cafeteria set up and they will not use Monsanto's foods. They feed their own employees. In a press release dated May the 19th, the American Academy of Environmental Medicine, which describes itself as an international association of physicians and other professionals, 
dedicated to addressing the clinical aspects of environmental health called immediately for the following emergency measures to be taken regarding human consumption of GMO foods. Number one, a moratorium on GMO food implementation of immediate long-term safety testing and labeling of GMO food. Physicians to educate their patients, the medical community, and the public to avoid GMO foods. Physicians to consider the role of GMO foods in their patients' disease processes. More independent long-term scientific studies to begin gathering data to investigate the role of GMO foods on human health. They've got plenty of evidence. The AAEM chairperson, Dr. Amy Dean, notes that multiple animal studies have shown that GM foods cause damage to various organ systems in the body. With this mounting evidence, it is imperative to have a moratorium on GM foods for the safety of our patients and the public's health. The president of the AAEM, Dr. Jennifer Armstrong, stressed that physicians are probably seeing the effects in their patients but need to know how to ask the right questions. The most common foods in North America which are consumed that are GMO are corn, soy, canola, and cottonseed oil. The AAEM's position paper on genetically modified foods can be found and then give you the link for it. Now remember, this soya stuff, for instance, is in everything. Everything, including all the candies that you eat. The paper further states that genetically modified organisms technology abrogates natural reproductive processes that is sterilizing you. Selection occurs at the single cell level. The procedure is highly mutagenic and routinely breaches genera barriers, and the technique has only been used commercially for 10 years. Actually, it's been longer because Canada was already on it for 10 years when we found out we were the test guinea pigs and no one had told us. The AAEM paper further states several animal studies indicate serious health risks associated with the GM food consumption, including infertility. Well, you see, this falls right in with the agenda, doesn't it? What a coincidence. Immune dysregulation, which is all the allergies that you have and the constant recurring infections. Accelerated aging. I know surgeons who have told me, surgeons who, who do heart and lung transplants, who get the best donors, supposedly young, in accidents, etc., tell me that when they open them up, they're like old men inside. Aging diseases. So here it says accelerated aging. So they know this at the top. Every surgeon knows it as well. This regulation of genes associated with cholesterol synthesis, insulin regulation, measured diabetes, cell signaling and protein formation, and changes in the liver kidney, spleen, and gastrointestinal system. That's pretty well everything, isn't it? They add there is more than a causal association between GM foods and adverse health effects. There is causation as defined by Hill's criteria in the areas of strength of association, consistency, specificity, specificity, (laughs) biological gradient, and biological plausibility. The strength of association and consistency between GM foods and disease is confirmed in several animal studies. There's also plenty of videos up on Google about this kind of stuff. They have been for years. One was from a farmer in Germany who fed the, the, the modified corn to one set of pigs. They all became sterile. Put them back on the normal corn. Within a month, the sperm was all back to normal. They know all this stuff at the top. 
See, this is a mandate. That's why we're all on the stuff. And I've altered more than just what's been mentioned here. I want people who, who have been following this kind of information to send me lists of all and the proof of all the things that's published as being modified. I want to have them. I'll read them on the air to let the people know what to avoid. Since GMO is toxic, the AAEM paper should give grounds for official rethinking of the current quasi-laissez-faire regulatory stance to GMO in which the solemn word of the GMO seed companies such as Monsanto's is regarded as scientifically valid proof of safety. I'll be back with more on this after these messages. I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the Matrix, reading an article from the FSO editorial on GM Foods. That's no news to those who've been following it for years. As I said already, before I continue with another part of the same article, I'd like for people who have proof, published proof, uh, of what else has been modified in the food chain to please send it to me and I'll compile a list of them and read them out over the air to try and alert the people as to what to try and avoid. I think I've done it in almost everything that's out there commercially available to the public, to be honest with you. As it must be, as I say, at the top of this, this whole pyramid system, there's no democracy. There's only one big corporation really running the world. And all the other parts, including Monsanto, are just specialized branches of it. Isn't it odd that Canada, for instance, admitted when it burst out in Britain that we were the guinea pigs in Canada for all this stuff, without being told, that the Canadian government had made a secret deal, and this was published in the newspapers after the fact, a secret deal with Monsanto to test it out on Canadians. Now, they'd already done all the animal testing long before that. They knew what it did to animals, which presumably would do the same thing in humans. Of course it does. When suddenly you have allergies, suddenly you have massive massive increases in people with diabetes, various aging diseases, etc., and cancers, you have to see and look into what has changed, what's changed, what do they consume that's different, what inoculations did they get this different it's quite simple detective work it doesn't take a, a genius to figure it out but the fact is that they've avoided all this stuff like the plague is a must be whether this study will go anywhere I don't know I don't think so I think it falls in with the world agenda for depopulation to continue with the article this last little part it says Specificity of the association of GM foods and specific disease processes are all, is also supported. Multiple animals studies show significant immune dysregulation. The immune system is shot, including upregulation of cytokines associated with asthma. Asthma has rocketed through the roof. I've read so many articles. Allergy and inflammation. You that cough you can't get rid of. Plus the spraying you remember too from the skies. Animal studies also show altered structure and function of the liver, including altered lipid and carbohydrate metabolism as well. 
as cellular changes that could lead to accelerated aging and possibly lead to the accumulation of reactive oxygen species, as ROS. Changes in the kidney, pancreas, and spleen have also been documented, while your pancreas is due with insulin for diabetes. A recent 2008 study links GM corn with infertility, showing a significant decrease in offspring over time and significantly lower litter weights in mice-fed GM corn. It's also been done, as I say, with pigs in Germany. And if you have a, a low litter weight, that means there's less chance of the young to survive very long. This study also found that over 400 genes were found to be expressed differently in the mice-fed GM corn to genetic alterations within your body. These are genes known to control protein synthesis and modification, cell signaling, cholesterol synthesis, you've all got high cholesterol out there, and insulin regulation, you're all becoming diabetic. Studies also show intestinal damage in animals-fed GM foods, including proliferative cell growth and disruption of the intestinal immune system. This is all known at the top. So why are they pushing it and even want to push more of it? Why are top politicians across the the Western Hemisphere saying we've all got to go GM? Why? One thing is for sure, they don't eat it at the top. When Tony Blair passed the law, they're going to have to have to accept it in Britain. He made an exception for their own massive, they call it a cafeteria for the politicians at Westminster, at Parliament. This massive, uh, glitzy place they call their cafeteria where they have fantastic meals we'll never dream of or never mind see. But they said that they wouldn't use it for the politicians. They'd have, a, they'd have normal, normal food, non-GMO food for them. So why did they have to get that but we have to get the other stuff? It's because it's a mandate, that's why. Simple as that. Simple as that. Now, I've talked before as well about how culture is not only made, how it's altered intergenerationally and degraded intergenerationally. I've given you the quotes from Huxley and others, Julian Huxley, where they talked about having to take man off this pedestal where he was a sacred being and life was sacred uh, because they'd have to bring down the populations, etc., and rid the world of inferior types of humanity. After all, they're all eugenicists, and Huxleys, the Huxleys belong to that group, along with the Darwins. In fact, they were related to the Darwins. And Julian Huxley was the first CEO of UNESCO, who talked about creating the world culture with all of these new values in them. He talked about the creation of apathy and how to create apathy within the public, in order to bring this plan off, to pull it off, and, as I say, to dethrone man as a supreme sort of uh, sacred being and get everyone to believe we're no higher than the animals. And when I read you the next step in dehumanization, that's now been pushed as art after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
this is cutting through the matrix. I read articles in the past to do with how the CIA controlled the cultural industry for the U.S. That's been disclosed recently in a book called America's Cultural Cold War. And how the CIA literally set up what seemed to be far-left groups to push this new culture to show that they were so hanging loose sort of thing, hanging loose, as you used to say, uninhibited to try and go against the more conservative culture that the communists had put in place in Russia. Here they were in Russia promoting opera for the working people for the first time, stuff like that, whereas the West was going in the opposite direction. That was their excuse for doing it, but really it was a much higher plan because America's culture was really set to dominate the world through degradation. Degradation of life itself, degradation to destroy what was the family unit that was intentional. It was a must-be, once again, written about as far back as the late 1800s by H.G. Wells, who was taught in the Red School. It was called the Red School in London. He was chosen to be one of many authors that would write author, uh, books about the changes that were to come to try and attract a big following to work towards these changes. And he actually met Sir Thomas Huxley. He was, Sir Thomas Huxley was the mentor of H.G. Wells, the propagandist for this world system and one of the founders of the Fabian Society, funded by the world's largest international banks. And part of it, too, was to destroy the family, was to destroy everything, all values that people loved, basically, had to be destroyed to bring in the new. Wells even wrote a book about free love, something that revived in the 1960s. He wrote it in the 1890s. It wasn't his idea. It was part of the mandate. To separate the act of sex from bonding was a prime mandate. That's why Sir Lord Bertrand Russell, for instance, had his experimental schools approved by a royal charter in the 1920s, and he was allowed to do things that other people would be lynched for doing, and, and also encouraging pre-pubertal sex with the students, with the idea of seeing if, when they got older, they would actually bond with someone, or if they could follow the sexual act without the bonding process. This is all science that we're using. Now it's used in all of society. And when there's no family unit to stand up for an individual, then the government has got you where they want you, where they can speak directly down to you, like the TV screen did to Winston in 1984, Orwell's novel. No one to stand up for you. And during America's cultural Cold War, as I say, and it's, it's not over, they'd never let go of it, by the CIA and MI5 and 6. It's also in the book with lots of uh, declassified information to prove it. That most of the big novelists of the, the, the 1900s, the 20th century, novelists and even the, the, the history writers and so on were all paid from funding from the CIA. Even said hack novelists were, were chosen, people who'd never have made it on their own, but so were people in the art industry. And the part was to bring in nihilistic art, 
nihilistic art with the Picasso type stuff with disjointed noses and ears all over the place to give you a schizoid view of humanity you wouldn't love them as much in this cold disjointed schizoid atmosphere and make it popular how did they make it popular well you'll find in that same book that Mr. Rockefeller's wife was the biggest promoter of that particular kind of art. She started buying it by vast quantities, and all the elite knew that, so they copied copied the one at the top. It was was that easy. And, of course, they had unlimited art editorials written for them in all the big newspapers. Very easy when you have so much dough, isn't it? Then we saw the bodies now, bodies, hanging on wires going in display in different countries as art plasticized human bodies. Freak shows, as they used to call them, but now they call them art. Before that, they had fetuses, as babies, by the way, it's a Latin term for a baby, and jars of urine to dehumanize us again, to do exactly what Julian Huxley said, to knock man off his pedestal of being a sort of sacred creature and bring him down. Well, animals wouldn't do this, so I can't say down to a level of an animal. They wouldn't do that. And here's the next step. And, and again, too, uh, this is someone you would even toss a coin into their cup if they were lying on the street with chalk scribbles over the stones. But he's been picked up and promoted, this particular so-called artist, to do something dastardly because obviously he has no conscience and this is from uh, an independent it's called body art literally an American sculptor's work made of human skin is coming to Britain Andrew Johnson reports May the 24th 2009 some will find it shocking macabre echoing the worst allegations of Nazi atrocities an American artist has spent the past 20 years making sculptures out of human skin and is to exhibit his work in public in the UK for the first time later this year. Welcome to the world of Andrew Krasnow, who has tackled one of the great taboos in art. This is G. Nether von Hagens may have caused controversy with his body wor- world's exhibition of human corpses, but Krasnow co- no goes a step further. His works include human skin lampshades, a direct response to the belief that similar items made from the skin of Holocaust victims were found at Buchenwald concentration camp. Using skins from white men who donated their bodies to medical science, to understand any of you idiots to donate their bodies to medical science isn't going to help anybody. It really isn't. Even that itself was part of the intent to dehumanize yourself and get you used to ideas of bodies simply getting chopped up. See, that used to be called the desecration of a human body. The doctors, they used to hire the Birkin hair types to dig up corpses so they could cut them all open. Used to be locked up in prison for desecrating bodies. Now it's normal to desecrate bodies. And what do they do with this, this thing that you donate to medical science? They give it to perverts like this guy or to the ones that hang you in wires and put you on show. Dehumanization. Yep, Huxley, they've worked it right, they've worked it right. We're now down to the lowest level of the low. 
Since using skins from white men who donated their bodies to medical science, he has created freak versions of mundane items, including flags, boots, and maps of America. In effect, using skin like leather. His work, he says, is a commentary on human cruelty <laughs> and America's ethics and morality. Yeah. Anyway, that's the kind of stuff that they're pushing. And of course, why does this guy even get a write-up? Who's pushing them? What's next? An exhibition of human heads, maybe? You know, all kinds of heads or something? How far can you go in the world of macabre and perversion? There's no limit, really, is there? Because it's all the stuff from nightmares. That's why. It's no limit. And, as I say, they wanted to dehumanize us all. And they did it so quickly. I was re-watching an old movie recently. It was called Blast from the Past, a good comedy about people who went into an air raid shelter in the 60s because they thought uh, everything was coming to an end. And 30 years later, their son goes up to the surface to, to get vital supplies, and he meets all these strange people. But they do show you where their hatch was from their subterranean home. It comes up in a, a place that used to be a milkshake place and then it turned into booze a booze can then it turned into booze and drugs and it gives you the music through each step of one person's lifetime the guy who's the owner of the, this, this particular shop that's how fast how fast the culture creators could take a culture down and dehumanize it in no time at all because they had complete control over music, over all the arts and entertainment, all media. That's how fast one person's lifetime they could take it right down from a strong society to a weak and fragmented society with no morals and values and nothing to bind them together. And I mentioned before, too, how we always thought that the censored departments of each country were to do with saving and protecting your culture. But really we found out that the opposite was true. Their job was to see how far they could push the envelope and were the public ready for it. I've given you the statements before in previous talks that were published in newspapers after they met in the year 2001, the International Censors Association, and decided to push. This is now that they've won the war for homosexual entertainment and so on. It was time to push for bestiality and intergenerational sex. That was also published in the newspapers at the time. This is from the Wise Up Journal, the 26th of May 2009. And it's an article that was printed in the Irish Daily Mail on the 25th of May, but not put up on their web. I guess they don't want to offend Outsiders, you see. It's by Mary Ellen Sinon, Sinon, S-Y-N-O-N. It says, The horror at the dark heart of a sordid, arrogant parliament. This is about the European parliament. It says, Here we are, a few words about Brussels and how it feels about child abuse. I'll move on to the European elections in a moment, but given the horrors of the Ryan report last week, I thought that you ought to know how seriously the Euro elite treat any suggestion of improper behavior of adults towards children. 
In other words, I give you Daniel Con bendit and member of the European Parliament for the German Green Party, a self-confessed kitty fondler by pulling down his trousers zip for tiny children. It hasn't stopped him from becoming one of the most influential members of Parliament. Here is his story. Bear in mind that this man has more power over the legislation of this country than does any member of the deal. Mr. Con Bendit is better known as Danny the Red of the 1968 Paris barricades. He's a kind of leftover mid-century lefty who was active in squatting, street fighting and agitation before he reinvented himself as a Green and was elected to the European Parliament. Last month I went to watch him in a debate with Declan Ganley. The thing was standing room only in a ballroom in a Brussels hotel. Mr. Ganley produced a book Con Bendit wrote in 1975. He read out Mr. Con Bendit's account of how he had worked in kindergarten and allowed the children to pull down the zip on his trousers and touch him intimately. In the book, he had asked them why they wanted to play with them and not with each other. But in the end, he caressed, which is his word, them too. He caressed them too. He called it caressing. Mr. Con Bendit disputed none of it. Indeed, when Mr. Ganley finished reading, the former kindergarten teacher whooped out that he had just won 500 euros because he had bet someone that Mr. Ganley would read out that bit of his own autobiography. But Mr. Con Bendit's supporters did not quite give him the sort of applause he was looking for. He changed tack and insisted that everything in the book had been discussed in Germany and France years ago and the parents of the children had never raised any concerns. Mr. Ganley asked, and the children, what did they say? Danny the Red assured him and the audience that years later the children had all said that they had a, their time at school was extremely happy. And then he went on about how different attitudes were in the 70s. These are the perves. The perves that are promoted to the top. Why? Because, not, number one, they're completely blackmailable. Very handy if you want to have people who will pass any laws that you tell them to pass. In fact, they'll do anything they're told for dough and publicity. But these are the characters who are now at the top of the legislative part. And that really is all there is to the European Parliament. The rest of the politicians are just trained seals who clap and can make suggestions about policies that have no no ability to promote or put them into effect. These are the kind of people who get up the ladder. And by the way, the Green Party, remember, was invented by the Soviets to become the New World Party. Madeleine Albright's grandfather was one of Stalin's right-hand men, and he was the one who set up this fledgling Green Party to take over when the communism was slated to supposedly disappear, actually to emerge into the world system. Now, I'll go to the phones now and uh, see if we can get through them. Uh, there's Tim in California. Are you there, Tim? Yeah, I'm here. Um, how you doing, Alan? Not so bad. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to uh, relate a story um, of mine. Uh, recently, I went to... Uh, I went to uh, just go up to Rite Aid at night, <clears throat> and what happened was 
security guard comes to the front of the door and asks for my ID. Mm-hmm. So I, I said to him, I said, I'm not buying booze or cigarettes. What do I need to show my ID for? I guess it turns out that the city I live in has just started this new thing where <clears throat> any store you go to after midnight, you have to show your ID regardless of whether or not you're buying, you know, cigarettes or alcohol or anything like that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I didn't know if this was a new thing in California or I was just wondering if you've heard anything about it. If it starts in California, it will be copied by all the other states in no time at all. It always is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's weird to see it happening. I was wondering, you know, when the next step, the next step was going to actually come into view. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I go there and I'm like, wow, this is, this is really strange, you know? Not that I knew this wasn't going to happen. I, I, been expecting it, but I just didn't know it was going to, you know, be so soon. It's just, yep. it's weird to see it actually happening, and I'm sure the next step is the real ID card. That's right. You won't be able to go into any store, I suppose, without showing your ID. Yes. And then I, I guess it just progresses on to the brain chip and step by step by step, like you always talk about. Yeah, and what they're going to do is hassle everyone so much, make them feel so uncomfortable, that they give you the, the ID card with the active chip and tell you to carry it at all times. And, and that these things will be scanned remotely, and that saves you the actually being confronted with the cops so you'll feel right. better and will breathe a sigh of relief to have uh, the ability to pass through without having to be stopped, etc. And, and questions. Can I hang on till after the music? Yes. We'll back in a few moments after these messages. I'm Alan Watt, coming through the Matrix, and we're got, we've got Tim on the line from California. Are you still here, Tim? Yeah, I'm still here. I just wanted to add that I didn't show my ID. I said I wouldn't be shopping there again. And when I asked why they're doing it, the lady said that, of course, it was the law in, in the entire city area there, but she also said that they have two thefts a night, which is normal for a store of that size, I'm sure. Yeah. So that's just the justification, justification, of course, they're using for it. But I was also thinking that maybe what they're doing is it's, it's, it's a trial thing, and, and they're also seeing how people are reacting and based upon how people react and whatnot. Yeah, they, they do trials all the first. time. In fact, they use, I think, Aurelia in Ontario, Canada, and they made them completely cashless, uh, all volunteers cashless for a, a, a two or three years to study them and how they reacted to, be, to using nothing but their cards in all the stores, and that was used for the rest of the country and the world, basically, that particular study. So in California, it's used for a lot of studies. For sure. I was also thinking about the name Rite Aid. You have the two first letters. You have Raw. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was thinking about that, and I was also thinking about the name Rite Aid itself, and it's the right, which would be the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry or something like that. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, yeah. That little joke in there, too. Yeah. yeah. It's just, and it's just amazing to see this actually happening. But I'll let another call get, caller get on. Thank you so much, Alan, for yeah, taking Thanks call. for calling. And we've got Stephen from Houston there. Is Stephen there? Yes, Alan. You? Yes. How you doing, Alan? Not so bad. That's good. I've uh, been listening to your show uh, since October. Uh, you were a guest on Alex Jones' show one day, and uh, ever since I've been listening to your show, I must say it's an honor to speak to you. I admire your work and your, and your courage. Uh, it's a pretty good day to call in because there's two topics I want to address that you were talking about earlier. Uh, one was transgenics, and yeah. the other would be the post-humanism, the robotic yeah. merge they want to uh, 
to implement on the human population. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, Saturday, I was at a dinner, and uh, the issue of transgenders came up, and I was yeah. uh, got to a little debate, uh, me and my, some relatives. And I was trying to explain to them how transgenics are uh, GMO foods, so where they insert a foreign uh, gene into the plant. Uh, like I mentioned, Monsanto and their soybean seeds and the cotton seeds, uh, even included the film, yeah. uh, The World According to Monsanto. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in the agreement that transgenics uh, wouldn't have brought the human population as far as it has come yeah. because there's no, not enough space and that they grow, that they produce more yield than the yeah. traditional organic farming. And I was trying to explain it to him that it wouldn't, it doesn't work. And I've also, I actually emailed him several links where studies have shown that the GMO foods do not produce more yield than... Actually, it's one-third less, the production, yeah. Right, that's what I was trying to explain to him. He was like, well, that's not, uh, I don't really believe that... Uh, we need transgenics, and I was even brought up the uh, uh, how they do it on the animal side with the glowing dark monkeys, the glowing dark uh, yeah. dogs that they did in Japan, and it's just it's just amazing how they really believe that these are for the betterment of mankind, even yeah. though the studies have shown that it does not work. And why would you even want uh, genetically modified seeds or glowing dark dogs? For another mm-hmm. reason, this is not the way that we were intended to be. Yeah, it seems that uh, I was trying to explain something sonic science. Has run amok, and that it's going to be really like you said before the new priesthood and our new new world we're going to, where scientists yeah. will rule everything, and we'll be bound down to a scientist. Yeah, you literally have a small group of people who will be in charge of the entire food supply of the of the world. Mm-hmm. That's what we were looking at, and uh, he, that, I think it was Kissinger said that whoever controls the food supply and the water of the world control own the world, they control the entire planet. Okay. That's I power, that's music incredible power. I hear music come in. I actually, I actually turned down to go to graduate school at a certain university in Texas because I found out that the, 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 the department provides funding to students. Yeah. My time, so. That's right. But thanks so for they, calling. Like that's, the, that's the end of the show now, the music's in. So from Hamish, who's the dog, and myself, it's good night from Canada. May your God or your gods go with you. Thank you.